You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. If you've got a Bible, if you wouldn't mind turning to Genesis chapter 17, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 17, that's a great start. Jeremiah 17, we're in Genesis on Sunday mornings here at Eastside. Jeremiah 17, I just want to read one verse to you tonight and, uh, and give you something to think about this evening that, that, that closely relates to what we just heard in the Christmas program. Jeremiah 17, 7, there should be Bibles also in the pew um, in front of you there, and if, uh, if that would be a help to you to... To be able to look at that, uh, Jeremiah 17, 7, it's in the Old Testament, and on my, my Bible is page 503, that doesn't probably help you very much uh, with, those, with the Bible that you've got, but Jeremiah 17, 7, I just want to read one verse to you um, that I think really encapsulates the message of the, of the program tonight, and it says this, Jeremiah 17, 7, and uh, it says, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. I'm going to read it one more time. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. You know what that verse is saying? The word blessed means happy or content or joyful. And the idea behind that verse is if you have your trust in God, if you have your hope in the Lord, then you have joy. You've got contentment. You've got everything that you need as a person to live a fulfilled life. God blesses those that place their hope and trust in him. And it sounds so simple. You think, well, then I should be able to do that pretty easily. But there's a problem because the world feels hopeless. And that's an issue in that, yes, we know what we ought to do. We ought to place our our hope in the Lord. uh, But the world feels hopeless. And just like Jenny uh, tonight in the play, there are a lot of people in hopeless situations. And her, her family was in a hopeless situation. Her dad didn't have a job. Her mom was overwhelmed. Um, her brother was a little brother. That makes you feel hopeless. I'm just being a little brother. I have a little brother. I felt hopeless plenty of times. You know, just look around at the world, though. You don't get much hope in our culture. If you, if you try to, if you read the news clippings, you see about the economy, you see about inflation, you see about dysfunctional government, you see about natural disasters just this week. I mean, my heart goes out to those folks in, in, in Tennessee and Kentucky and those places that, I mean, whose lives were changed just like that because of a natural disaster that no one knew was coming besides the Lord. And you got social unrest and racial tension and violence and growing division among Americans based on uh, your political views. You know, moral decline is, is rampant in our country and the breakdown of the biblical family unit, uh, broken marriages, a, a general, honestly, a general disdain for right and wrong. I mean, for the basics. And it's not just the big things. Many families are struggling financially. Uh, people are living in fear of the pandemic. And it's not just our broken homes and, and relationships out there. It's, it's, it very well may be your broken home. It may be your difficulty. It might be your hopeless situation. And because of the conditions that we're in, hope seems to be fading. The world seems hopeless. Your situation might be tough. You might feel like you're in despair. And our response, though, to hopelessness is usually to trust ourselves. 
We think, well, I've got to fix this. I've got to do something like, like Jenny tonight. And she's in a hopeless situation. And her, her, her answer to her situation was to come up with, with something that she would fix on her own. She said, I have to fix this. I'm going to get on a bus and I'm going to go to California. And that's what we do. We think, I've got to fix it. I, I have to figure it out. I've got to get a second job. I've got to search for the right doctor. I've got to swap out a relationship. I've got to change my circumstances. We feel the pressure to fix what's broken. And that's usually how we respond. We respond to hopelessness by thinking, it's all up to me. But here's the problem. Just like Jenny, she heard it over here on the bus tonight, you will someday meet your match. Meaning that you will someday face something bigger than yourself. Meaning you'll one day have a problem you don't have an answer to. We can be as self-reliant as we want, but we're limited. And our limitations will someday cause us to face something we don't have answers for. If you face a health trial and, and you've got a, a major health issue in your life and you're just trusting yourself, all you get is what you can do. That's all you get. And frankly, we're pretty limited. If you come up uh, facing a broken relationship and you're trusting yourself, all you'll get is what you can do. And it's not really that much. And so if our response is to trust ourselves, all we get is what we can do. And we're limited. And whether or not we want to hear that or we believe that tonight, it's true. Many, many people have succumbed to hopelessness because they thought they had to come up with the answers only to find out they couldn't do it. See, here's the truth that I want you to get tonight is that your survival in a hopeless situation is dependent on the limitations of the object you're trusting to carry you through it. I know that's wordy, but I want you to get it. I'll say it again. Your survival in a hopeless situation is dependent on the limitations of the object that you're trusting to carry you through it. And let me just illustrate this. This week we know that we, that we had a, a big snowstorm here in, in Sioux Falls. And for those of you that have been in Sioux Falls uh, your whole life, then, uh, yes, I know you're wondering what this is about. I'll try to explain it. Those of you that have been in Sioux Falls for a while, then you know that this probably wasn't really that big of a snowstorm for you. But for us transplants in the last few years from Oklahoma, it was a big snowstorm. And there was a lot of snow on the ground. And so, as you know, about 10 inches on Friday and and you know what is, was going to be a good one when they canceled schools as early as they did, which I hear hardly ever happens. And so, uh, sure enough, if you were out in it on Friday, which I was, uh, the going was rough. And, I mean, the roads were bad and the snow was thick. And I had a daughter working on the west side and I took her over there and I was driving around doing different things. Let's just say, let's just pretend, okay. Let's just say that you, uh, on Friday, you still had to go to work. But by the time that you had to go to work, there were already six inches of snow on the ground. And, and you were, but you're thinking, well, you know, I want to be responsible. I've got to get to work. You, but, but you live on the east side and, and you've got to go all the way over to the west side, which is a 20 minute drive on a good day. So you, you go to your garage and you get your, uh, your source of transportation to, to go across town about 10 miles, 20 minutes on a good day, through six inches of snow, and all you've got to take is a scooter like this. 
So, I mean, I was going to write it across the platform just once just to show you um, how coordinated I am. But that's all. That's all you get tonight. Okay. Okay. So, this scooter tonight, that's on Facebook forever. So... No, this, this, the reason I thought about this is yesterday, Audrey, my daughter, and I went to Sam's, and we were trying to push the cart through the slush. And if you've done that, you realize these kind of wheels don't work in the slush. So I thought, well, what if all I had to get across town in that thick snow in a blizzard, let's say the wind is blowing, the snow is coming down, there's all these cars everywhere slipping and sliding, you can't hardly see, and you've got to go across town, and all you have is a scooter like this. How, how well do you think that that trip would go? Um, probably not very well at all. If you're driving to work in a blizzard, you'd be in serious danger. And here, let me, let me give you the principle again. Your survival in a hopeless situation is dependent on the limitations of the object that you're trusting to carry you through it. And if all you have is a scooter in a blizzard, you're probably not going to make it very far. Well, let's say that your neighbor lives next to you and, and they, they work in the same place that you work. And your neighbor has a big four-wheel drive pickup truck with brand new snow tires. And so let me ask you, which one of you is most likely to make it across town in a blizzard? You on your scooter or him in his pickup truck? Well, you say, well, you know, if it's a Ford, I'll take the scooter. But <laughs> no, we're not talking about truck brands tonight. I'm just talking about likelihood of making it across town. Who's more likely, the guy in the pickup truck with brand new four, uh, a four-wheel drive and brand new snow tires, or you on your scooter? Well, I think we all know the answer to that is that he's much more likely to make it because the object that he's trusting in has fewer limitations than yours. You see, it, you say, well, that's a silly illustration. And I know that it is, except it's a picture of what many people do spiritually. See, they're in hopeless situations, and rather than place their trust in an object capable of providing hope for them, they trust in something with countless limitations. And their survival is dependent on the limitations of what they're trusting to carry them through the blizzards of life. And it takes us back to Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope... The Lord is. Here's why you're blessed if your hope is in the Lord. Because he has no limits. You know, any situation that you face, God can handle it. And there's no better object of confidence in which to place your trust. Which that's, by the way, that's what hope means. It, it, the word here, it means um, an object of confidence. And we could apply this to a thousand different things tonight. But I want to make one primary application because I figured, let's deal with our biggest problem. we got lots of problems. But let's deal with the biggest problem. See, our biggest problem is not finances. Our biggest problem is not health. Our biggest problem is not a relationship. It's not that we need a new job. It's not that we need a nicer house. It's not that we need a new car. Our biggest problem is sin. And Jenny had to come to terms with this. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah. 
Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And our sin is our big problem, and our sin puts us at odds with God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. What we've earned through our sin is judgment from God because he's holy and he's sinless and we are not holy. We are not sinless. We've earned death, which is separation from God. Sin is our problem and hell is the consequence. We've, we've broken God's law and we deserve to pay for our own sins. And friends, that's our limitation because we can't pay for our own sins. God requires a perfect sacrifice, but if I've sinned, I'm not perfect. So how is this supposed to work? I mean, if God is holy and, I can't, and he can't allow sin into heaven, and, then, and I deserve to pay for my own sins, but I can't, what is, what's the answer? Well, God saw our limitation. And listen, instead of writing you off, he said, I see your limitation and I'll pay for your sin instead of you having to pay for it. In Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On a cross, he, he required a payment of sin for sin and since I couldn't do it, he sent his perfect son to die in my place. And all he requires, folks, all he requires is for us to repent of our sin and place our faith in Jesus Christ, believing he's the only way to heaven. John 14, 6, Jesus said, you know it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John 10, Jesus said, I am the door. There's a door to heaven and his name is Jesus. And all he asks of you is by faith to believe and walk through it. So we must come to the end of ourselves and recognize our limitations and turn to a God who has none. See, believing that his word is true and his payment on the cross was enough. That's where we start. But let me give you even a, a better part about this. If you're wondering if God can handle your sin, there's a line in, in that song, there is hope. And it says, because Jesus lives, there is hope. Amen. And you know what that tells me and it, it should tell you tonight is if Jesus Christ can conquer death, he can handle my sin. If Jesus Christ can die and rise from the dead like he did, then there is literally nothing that I face in my life that's too big for him. See, here's the issue. Most people think, well, I've got to do this myself. Remember, our problem is we try to trust in ourselves and do it ourselves. We work our whole lives and, and we try to be religious. We try to be good. We think that baptism is good enough. We try to please God with our activity. We try to please God with our works. Except that Jesus, or Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, you can't earn your way to heaven with your works. If, if you can see it and you can do it, it won't help you get saved. You can't save yourself because of your limitations. It'd be like trying to earn, earn, trying to earn your way to heaven is like riding across South Dakota in a blizzard on a scooter just like this. Your limitations will prevent you from surviving that. Your survival in a hopeless situation is dependent on the limitations of the object you're trusting to carry you through it. And if you're trusting yourself for salvation tonight, it will never happen. 
But if your object of trust is a God with a perfect plan through Jesus to save your soul, to cleanse you from sin and take you to heaven when you die, then I just want to echo what's been said tonight. There is hope. Blessed is the man whose hope the Lord is. Why? Well, because he has no limitations. And therefore, you can have hope in any situation. There's nothing he can't handle. If he can handle your soul and your sin, then he can provide money for the bills. And he can heal your sickness. And he can fix your broken heart. And he can mend a relationship between a husband and a wife. And he can, and he can bring a wayward child back home. And he, can, he can heal your brokenness. If he can handle your soul and he can handle your sin. And he rose from the dead. I'm telling you, because Jesus lives, there is hope. If he can fix your biggest problem, there's no situation in which you can't have hope tonight. So if you're trusting yourself to get through the storms of life, you might as well ride a scooter in a blizzard across South Dakota. Your limitations will leave you hopeless because you will eventually someday come to a problem you don't have a solution for. But there's a limitless God in heaven who can overcome your greatest problem. He actually already has. And it's just a matter of you receiving the gift by faith, just simply believing and trusting in a limitless God. If you place your trust in him, you can have hope. If Jesus died for my sins and, and, and I receive his payment by faith alone, that means even when I die, I still get heaven. Which, by the way, means there's literally no situation, no matter how bad, in which we can't have hope. You know, just like Jenny, uh, it's time for someone maybe in here to acknowledge that they can't. Maybe you've been trying your whole life and, and you've thought your whole life it's up to me and I've done everything that I need to do. I've, I mean, I've stirred the baptismal waters and I've worked hard and I've tried to make sure that my good works outweigh my bad works and I have good intentions and I've tried to be a good person and I've been religious and I go to church and I do all of these things and I, I do them regularly and it, and it should be good enough and I think that I can make this happen but you've tried your whole life and I'm telling you, as hard as you've tried it's not enough to overcome that problem salvation is only through the, the the finished payment the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross if you died tonight and it's up to you could you guarantee that you'd go to heaven well no but God has a plan with that guarantee what about maybe you're in a blizzard of life and tonight you've come, you've got the pressures like the family tonight. You've got the pressures of money. You've got the pressures of a job. You've got the pressures of a relationship. Your vehicle's broken down. You've got bills to pay. You, you, need, to help, you need help forgiving somebody. You, you're broken. You're hopeless. And we're, we're wrapping it up here. So just lock in right here, okay? If your object of confidence is yourself, just get used to the hopelessness. I'm not saying that callously. I'm not saying, uh, saying that with, with a hard heart tonight. I'm just trying to get you, get you to see if you're trusting yourself to fix your problems, you might as well just get used to the hopelessness. But if you will turn from your solutions to God's, he can show you hope you never thought you could have. 
to turn from your answers to a God who can handle it all, that's when you find hope. So there's no level of hopelessness God's ability can't handle, which means the Lord is the only hope the world has, which means for you in your life, a limitless God is the only answer for your hopelessness. Have you lost hope? Have you lost it tonight? Have you just kind of given up hope and you've kind of given up the the thought that anything could get better? Uh, Have you been trusting in objects that are incapable of solving your biggest problems? I'm telling you tonight, this is a a very serious moment in the service tonight. Um, Jesus Christ has the answer for your biggest problems. And what's so I'm just asking you, what's keeping you? From turning to God. The only object of hope that is capable of carrying you through the hopelessness of life. What's keeping you? What's keeping you right now from turning from the answers that have just, just provided hopelessness? What's keeping you from turning to a God who has the answers? Is it a matter of pride? Is it a matter of, well, I don't really know that I want to submit to that. I, I don't know that I, that I want to, um, you know, just admit that I've been wrong. I don't know that I want to come to the end of myself and trust somebody else to do it. I've always been the kind that just kind of picks myself up by my bootstraps. I can do this. Well, I mean, pride is a, it seems like a, a silly reason not to accept eternal life that Jesus Christ provided. Maybe you think, well, you know, I can do this on my own. I'm telling you, you can't. There's no way for a person, according to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, there's no way for you to earn this on your own because you're not sinless. Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless sacrifice, did all the work and all he asks us to do is receive it tonight. So for some of you in here, It's time to get off the scooter. It's time to place your trust in an object of confidence that has no limits. Friend, there is hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for you and you and you and you and you. I'm telling you tonight, there is hope. Blessed is the man or the woman or the teenager, or the child, or the hopeless soul, or the wayward heart, or the confused person. Blessed is the hopeless person. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. I'm telling you, there is hope. And you can find it in Jesus tonight. Please bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a few questions. And we're not in a high pressure situation here. That's not what we're trying to do. But I do believe that God is working on somebody's heart tonight about salvation. And I, I wouldn't make, I wouldn't try to twist your arm. I couldn't even possibly begin to do that. But I am going to ask a couple of questions that I think will be revealers. Uh, how many of you in here tonight, you'd say, I know 100% for sure that if I died tonight in an accident on the way home on these icy roads, I know that if I died tonight, that I would spend eternity in heaven with God. I know that. If you know that, would you just raise your hand very quickly, looking around the room, many hands, and I'm thankful for that. You can put those down. 
But maybe there are, I mean, there are some that didn't raise their hand. And so I'm asking you tonight, you say, I'm just asking. If, if you were to die tonight, do you know 100% for sure that you'd die and go to heaven? And if you don't know that tonight, without embarrassing you, without pointing you out, I'm not going to put pressure on you. I just want to pray for you because this is the most important question anybody could ever ask you. And I just, I think it's important for us to ask since we're all together here tonight. Um, if you say, I don't know for sure, if I died tonight on my way home, that I'd spend eternity in heaven, I don't know. And I'm not asking you to make a decision, I'm just asking for my own information, you say, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I don't know. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, I'm raising my hand because I don't know. And you're not sure. Looking around the room, anybody here tonight that would raise their hand and say, I don't know if I died tonight. Just looking to my left. No one else is looking around. I'm asking that you'd have the respect of privacy, that you'd close your eyes and bow your head tonight. Anybody tonight, you'd say, I don't know if I died today that I'd be on my way to heaven. Just quickly raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Anybody to my left over here? Anybody here? I see one in this section. Thank you for raising your hand. I see that. You can put it down. Anybody to my right? You say, I don't know if I died tonight that I'd be on my way to heaven. And I, I sure would like to know, but, but I'm just not, I just don't know. I'm not sure. Anybody to my right over here in these two sections? You say, just real quick with a raise of hand, that I don't know. Anybody over here? Hey, so, so tonight, we, we've got someone that raised their hand. And listen, I'm praying for you that God would give you the courage to step out and make a decision tonight because there is no more urgent time than right now to choose Christ. You don't know what tomorrow holds and, and you wouldn't want to put yourself in a position where you miss the opportunities that God has given you right now. So I'm asking you tonight, if you've raised your hand or even if you didn't raise your hand and you say, I don't know if I died tonight that I'd be on my way to heaven, uh, but I would like to know. And we're not going to put pressure on you, but I'm telling you, if you wanted to step forward, no one's looking around. No one is no one's going to cast judgment tonight. Uh, we, have, we have counselors that can take you and show you from God's word. This is not Baptist doctrine, it's Bible doctrine. It's us showing you from God's word how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven when you die. And I'm telling you, there's no better knowledge that you could have than that. So in just a moment, we're going to have a verse of what we call invitation, which means we have a singer sing a song, and the music plays, and we'll have everyone stand. And if God's prompting you and, you, and you'd like to maybe know tonight that you are on your way to heaven and that we can show you from God's word, would you just step out, have the courage to take a step, and we could send somebody with you to show you for sure that you'd spend eternity in heaven with God when you die. And even if, if you think, well, I, I'm just not sure I have the courage. Listen, there's nobody casting judgment. We would just take you, show you from the Bible, and let the choice be up to you. But maybe there's somebody in here tonight, too, and you say, I'm, I'm in a blizzard of life. And I'm struggling. And I know that I'm saved, but I'm struggling. And, and I've turned to other sources of help, and none of them are, are capable of helping me deal with my problems. I need to get, come to the end of myself. And turn back to the Lord. Because I know that blessed is the man whose, ho whose hope the Lord is. And I need to come to the end of myself. And stop leaning on my own understanding. And turn back to God tonight. Maybe that's what this message has done in your heart. Listen, both of those things are valid reasons to respond 
to the message tonight. And to our folks, I would encourage you, if the Lord's prompting you, maybe then to come and pray that God would speak to the heart of those um, who are the Lord is dealing with, the Holy Spirit is working on. I'm going to pray, and then we'll stand, and the invitation will open when the music begins. And I'm telling you, if you want to come, we could show you from God's Word. Or if you need to do business with the Lord, tonight's the night. Father, thank you for this, this Word, uh, your Word, and this truth. Uh, I'm thankful there is hope, and I pray that you give us um, clarity as to what steps we ought to take in our lives tonight. Thank you for working in us this evening. I pray that you'd speak through uh, the Holy Spirit, that you continue to draw men to yourself through, through the word tonight, and that those that have raised their hands would have the courage to make a decision this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.